Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, we're on location at Cape Coral, Florida this weekend and uh, going to do a little recording today with a special guest. We've uh, visited some people and um, trying to see if we can get some more stories on our on our podcast from uh, outside our, our general local area there in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, today we have Sherry with us. Uh, she's going to share her story today. She's from down here in the Cape Coral area, is that correct? Yes, I, I've been down here for, since 1990. I'm originally from Virginia. Are you? Well, and we also have Robin sitting in with us today. We'll try three on the microphone today. Basically, we're, uh, well, we're, we're, we're here to, to, to listen to Sherry and, and have her tell us uh, her story of recovery and how she came to uh, this freedom we know, the spiritual awakening. So we're, that's primary, but we are going to play around with a little different formats once in a while and, uh, and get some, uh, some new voices on the microphone. So uh, the way I usually like to start is to uh, start with your sobriety date. And then if you want to go from there, you've okay. spoke from the podium a number of times, uh, you know the, the routine, and, and, and we'll, we'll start there. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Sherry, and I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is June 25th, 2008. That is my second sobriety date. I had six years of recovery and relapsed, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. I do have a home group. Um, I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. Um, between myself, my sponsor, my grand sponsor, and my great grand sponsor, we have about 93 years of sobriety together. Wow. Nice. So it's, um, my home group is very solid in serious recovery. It's a 12 step, uh, 12 and 12 study closed meeting. So, all right. Um, Growing up, I have a brother who's 16 months older than me. Um, my, I, was, I had a very normal childhood, and what was normal for me was, uh, at six years old, making my father's cocktails. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't all six-year-olds six make cocktails? <laughs> and don't all fathers have a gun and a bottle of booze under the seat of their vehicle. Of course. And that was normal for me. My father, he was uh, an absentee father. <clears throat> he was not around much. He shot pool and you know stayed out carousing. And uh, the women just flocked around him. Um, my mom was the glue that held us together. And... Um, she believed at the time that the family should stay together, you know, until we were older. Um, she regrets that belief today. Mm-hmm. However, uh, that's where seeds of codependency were planted in me. I started accepting unacceptable behavior in my life. My first drunk was age 12. Uh, I was in the hospital. The doctor tells my mom, ma'am, your daughter's drunk. Hmm. Um, I, I did all kinds of other substances. Uh, smoked pot when I was 12. Did speed and acid at 14. Uh, cocaine at 15. Freebasing cocaine up until 21. However, alcohol was always right Present. there. It's what started one drink, and I'm out of control. My um, 
I have um, no rational thinking, um, and I'm I'm off to the races. There's no stopping me, and <clears throat> I realize now at age 21 I was full-blown alcoholic and addict. Um, my first DUI was well. Let's go back. At age 17 was my first alcohol-related car accident, and I did a lot of damage. Um, then 18 was my first DUI. And back then in the 70s, um, the magistrate brought me home. Hmm. Went yeah. before the magistrate and he said, okay, lay down and sober up for an hour. I'll give you a ride home. And he did. It was just a DUI without a wreck or anything like that? Yeah. So it was just a pullover? That was my first DUI. And then uh, I had a total of four DUIs over the years. However, um, that today would mean I wouldn't have my license for 75 years. Right, yeah. Okay. God had other plans. Uh, two of the DUIs were in Virginia and two in Florida, and they did not connect them. They, they didn't do the computer connection back then, and uh, I am truly grateful for that. Um, God does for us what we can't do yeah, for right. ourselves. But he, he knew what was in the future. So um, I have good driver, you know, safe driver on my, I there is nothing in my past, my record as far as driving, that has anything to do with the DUI. Wow. Everything is, has disappeared, which is because it's been of. long enough now or because what we don't know why it's just not on your record why. and it's, it's sliding by yeah just it's wiped clean wiped clean that's nice that's cool yeah, and yeah it was not of my doing <laughs> yeah i hear that story over and over and yeah. over i just wanted to be i wanted to hear it again oh yes <laughs> oh yeah god had a hand on my life long before i ever recognized him or acknowledged him as a matter of fact, we had no God in our household. Um, my mom and dad were raised Southern Baptist. And as soon as they were old enough, they ran as far and fast from the church as they could. Hmm. And to be honest, that fire and brimstone and hell and damnation didn't appeal to me either. You know, so we just lived our life, um, went to weddings and funerals. But um, my mom finally left my father. Um, I was 16, my brother was 17, and he took it very hard, my brother. I was like all for it. It was like, you know, thank you. He did not deserve you. Yeah. And even though I loved my dad, I, you know, let him do his thing without us. So, um, my mom always thought mm, I wasn't that bad. You know, anything I did, well, she's not that bad. Well, I got really bad. Um, I never have been married because uh, my opinion towards, my general opinion of men has been altered by my father's actions. And I've never met a a faithful man. Hmm. Um, my dad had the trophy family without strings attached. And uh, 
I started working on an upscale country club in Virginia and I started dating all of the millionaire men, married or not. Um, I was like, I'm just going to have my fun and some, send them on their way. Hmm. Uh, I would never step over that boundary today ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my morals and values went in the toilet. Um, uh, one wife had my phone number just in case there was uh, an emergency with the daughters. You know, and that's so she insane. knew how to contact you in that's case. That's insane. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. So, um, you know, it's, it's strange. How can I have a secure, solid, trusting relationship with a man who's cheating on his wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like I said, I, I would not step over that boundary today. Um, I did move to Florida with a man who left his wife for me. Hmm. Um, he was an ex-pro football player, quarterback. Um, very popular back in the day. Huh. Interesting. He was 25 years older than me. Ah. Hmm. And uh, we used to go to uh, quarterback legends events and, you know, any all kinds of uh, activities. Um, I rubbed elbows with from Y.A. Tittle to or Earl Morrill to Johnny Yu ah. to Dan Pastorini. Um, Norm played, um, he started back with um, Sonny Jurgensen back in the day where they wore leather helmets. Oh, wow. So he's had some horrible injuries, and I was okay knowing one day I would be having to take care of him. I was okay with that. However, we never married because I loved my booze more than him. And so my alcoholism got so out of control, he strayed, which, you know, it it was his track record anyway, even though I do believe to own my part, clean my part of the street, my alcoholism chased him away. But when it happened, it was like, oh, wonderful, I have free reign, you know? I had an apartment, a new car, insurance, everything, and a mover within two days. Oh, yeah. And I was you know, out of there. But uh, this was a gated community, and I ended up moving across the street into an apartment complex, so, which I spent the next eight years. So um, he was history, and... I was working at country club in um, on Marco Island, wonderful place. Um, I had benefits, good money. I mean, you're talking making three hundred a day, and I was trained in six different areas of the hotel and the resort, um, on on the beach, the tiki, you name it. So wherever I was needed. Um, I was doing cocaine at the time. So you got there fast. Yeah. I, <laughs> Whatever needed to be done I, got done quickly. I made uh, I made 
employee of the month after two months of being in this major uh, resort, yeah. mm -hmm. which is unheard of. And that was because I could go in at 5.30 in the morning and work to midnight and do it all over again. And when I first moved to Florida, it's like, my gosh, I've never met such lazy people in my life. Everyone was, you know, on retirement time. But um, I had very good work ethics. Never called in um, sick because I was on a mission. Money meant power and it bought happiness. Hmm. You know, and I could buy anything I needed in order to make me happy. And at that time, you know, that, that's what I wanted out of life. And, I, and it didn't necessarily involve a man. Exactly. Yeah. However, um, by the mid-90s, I had had four DUIs, and that cost a pretty penny. Um, I th um, my third DUI, I got a lawyer, and for $1,500, he stood before the judge and says, Your Honor, we'll take the, the minimum package. And I looked at him, I'm like, is that it? <laughs> I could have done that. So... Um, I've had some uh, run-ins with the law. Uh, the job on Marco Island, they suspected that something was going on between the alcohol and, and drugs, and they offered me um, the Employee Assistance Program, EAP. Yeah. And I denied having a problem. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And ended up getting fired a month later because of my alcohol and drug use. Um, I became unemployable by that time. And I hooked up with a guy, and I just referred to him as the guy. <laughs> and we started, uh, he was a really good thief and con artist, and he was fast. Um, like a jackrabbit he could uh, <laughs> um, my first felony was 1998 the guy he was um, being questioned and they put him in the back of a police car just for questioning he wasn't arrested he wasn't handcuffed and I walked by the car and he goes eight points and I open the handle and keep on going and he got out and was gone in a flash. Well, police, don't, they don't like that. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. And there was no catching him. Um, he got away. But a policeman came to my door and picked me up by my shirt. <laughs> and I went airborne. Um, went straight to jail. I called my dad in Virginia because I knew my mom. I couldn't call her. Um, and I said, yeah, it's not what you think. It was a mistake, you know. I'll, I'll fill you in later. And he bonded me out, which was a $10,000 bond. I ended up taking off with the guy. And we both had warrants and bounty hunters after us. And we continued to um, do crimes to feed our drugs, alcohol and drug addiction. Little Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I 
I'm kind of really ashamed of that today. Sure. However, yeah. it's my story. Right. Um, we were on the run uh, during the holidays. My mom didn't know if I was alive or dead. Um, when alcohol and drugs are involved in a relationship, uh, a physical, emotional, mental, and sexual abuse are inevitable. Um, he became very abusive. He tackled me and cracked my tailbone. Hmm. He kicked me in the ribs and he hit me in, in the face so hard I saw stars. I'd never seen stars before. Um, and I just saw it, you know, spiraling down to where I wasn't going to make it out of this relationship eventually. Um, I was on a deflated air mattress down in a, a dank apartment uh, in Fort Myers, Florida. And I was alone. It was um, in January after the holidays. And I just lifted my arms, stretched out my arms and looked up. I said, help me or I'm going to die. The next day, we took off to commit some more crimes, and we were pulled over and arrested, and I was rescued. Hmm. I, when I got to jail, I called my mom, and I said, it's over. I'm safe. I had no idea what I was looking at as far as time. Um, however, I knew I was going to be okay. I said, something or someone out there was looking after me keeping me from dying and it changed my attitude about God he is a gentleman and he's patient and he waited for me to cry out to him and I started um, my attitude and, and I started um, getting involved in the jail I'm I think I did about nine months that time. Um, you spent nine months in jail there uh, for that. Yeah, yeah, because of the yeah different you know charges. Um, when I got out, I was on the straight and narrow. I did not go back into the food and food and uh, beverage business, food and bars. Um, I started working at this department store and at the time it was a quickie application they took it was for the holidays and I fit right in and uh, I'd never done retail or anything but I, I was doing great um, I had lost my license during because of my DUIs and so I had an apartment and I could walk to work which was about a quarter of a mile um, after about a month the manager approached me with an envelope and said, we did, you know, went ahead and did an extensive background for your application and, and you are a liability. Hmm. So we have to let you go. I left there with my tail tucked between my legs. Mm -hmm. My disease, I had money in my pocket and my disease was right there on my shoulder and saying, see, you're a piece of crap. No one wants you. You may as well use. Yeah. And I fought it, fought it, fought it. 
went home, I was crushed. You know, I was my first sincere, you know, uh, attempt at being sober. Um, I got on the phone to a local treatment facility and spoke with a counselor. The next day, because of my age, I was 35 years old, 36 years old, um, I was signed up for a program at the local college called Fresh Start for Women. And it uh, taught women how to get back into society. I'd never heard of this program before. Anyway, I um, completed that and that was my foot in the door going back to school. Um, I was passionate about recovery and decided to be a drug and alcohol counselor. I <clears throat> got a job at that local treatment center um, where the counselor was on the phone with me. And I became a counselor there and I loved my position. I loved the, the clients. I was known as the counselor who cared. Um, the establishment uh, just wanted to hurt them in, hurt them out. You know, it was a business because, uh, you know, the, the percentage of success is very low. Very low. However, the, the few success stories are priceless. Right. Um, I've seen a lot of death. And you know, a lot. I've seen you know families restored. So <clears throat> you get a little bit of everything. However, I was really emotionally involved. I it seemed like I wanted their recovery more than they did. Yeah. You know that doesn't work. And I was a workaholic. Uh, I was working sixty hours a week with being paid only forty. Um, Seems to be I, another common denominator with us. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, I stopped going to meetings because I was busy. I had to be at work. You know, I had to be there. I was responsible. Stopped calling my sponsor. Stopped, stopped working the steps. And it was just a matter of time before my world came crashing in. And I had gone to a retreat and got home about 11 o'clock in the evening and found my cat, my pride and joy, he was like my child, unexpectedly dead. Oh, wow. And I can't describe the pain. I never liked cats, you know, and I rescued this one. And uh, I could ride him on my bike, and the basket would go, let's go to Uncle Jose's house. <laughs> you know, and he was just, I trained him just like a dog. And he was super smart. Had him in a commercial one time. Really? Anyway, <laughs> I found him, and I was crushed. I didn't reach out to anyone. Didn't let anyone know what I was going through. And that is where I relapsed mentally. And I started acting out sexually after being celibate for eight years. And anything to try to kill the pain, but it didn't work. I graduated uh, with my third degree in May of 06. 
and within a week I was in full-blown addiction and alcoholism again and my disease picked up exactly where I left off in 1998 um, I started living a double life I was still a counselor I was still involved in the church I had a halfway house at this time um, living a life of lies is the hardest thing I've ever done um, just exhausting right double life is brutal mm -hmm. and I just thank God I didn't take anyone down with me um, I got fired from the treatment center because uh, they suspected something and I denied it. That's what I was going to ask. How did that come about? Yeah, they suspected. Um, I was employee of the month and fired in the same year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no I, testing or anything. They just suspected. Did mm -hmm. you? Yeah. They just and I was getting behind in my work and yeah. my case notes and so you know it's inevitable you, you know, denied it throughout oh yeah I denied it never came clean um, so I cashed in my 401k and I actually tithed 10% to the church Did you? <laughs> what a good <laughs> what addict and alcoholic does this yeah I couldn't live in a double life <laughs> yeah I couldn't get it that God can't be bribed bribed and he's not going to bless my mess. Um, I tried. Um, I lived this awful existence. And I started planning my suicide. I was going to take my mom for Mother's Day to a local cultural park theater for singing in the rain. And I was supposed to pick her up. And after the show, go back to her house, um, tell her I need to use her bathroom, get her gun, go back to my place, and end it all. Hmm. I made that plan. It was solid, and it was ready to go. I was so miserable. Even though I knew where recovery was, where, where AA was, I had tunnel vision. I was still in the depths of despair and depths of hell. Um, God had other plans. My car wouldn't start. How about that? Mm -hmm. I never had a problem with that car, ever. And the part I needed was $8. So, ended up, that idea went out the window. I, I did have another sponsor whom I got very honest with and told her the entire ordeal and I just couldn't shake it finally I just said set me free Lord you know I screamed it I was driving down the road and he did you know, he released me um, from that bondage it was a personal prison yeah it was horrible um, I got clean and sober, went back into the church and AA, and I was petrified. My disease was telling me, oh, they don't want you back, you know, what are you doing, you know, 
Well, I went against the grain and, and shoved that fear aside, because you know, I lived in fear. Walked in and I was welcomed back with open arms. The church, AA, Celebrate Recovery, everything I was involved in before. Um, like I said, I'm so happy I did not drag anyone down with me. Um, recovery. Wow. I have, I call it discovery in recovery. Yeah, I like that. Wow is minimum. I mean, just my motives are pure now. Uh, my, you know, the the road to nowhere is paved with good intentions. Right. Um, my motives are pure. If if you know, clean and sober, I wouldn't take uh, sweet and low from anyone. You know, under the influence is a different story. Um, I've learned I can't do this alone. You've seen a herd of animals grazing, and you see this one lone animal grazing alone, that's the one the enemy preys on. So uh, you know, I get in a herd, um, I have a disease that tells me I don't have a disease. Right. And this is my medicine. It's in remission now, and if I continue to work with my sponsor, work with others, service work, um, and share what's going on in my life. I do a lot of service work today. Um, I sponsor. Um, I'm very active in my home group. There is an intergroup. It's a little AA store in Fort Myers. I volunteer there. Um, I'm on the 12-step call list. They could call me anytime, day or night. Fantastic. And I could go and pick someone up. Um, I am going to start a jail ministry starting the first Saturday of the month. And every month that will be, we're taking uh, recovery into the jails, music and testimony. We just want people to know we are there for them when they get out. Yeah. And uh, you know, the big factor of success and failures, who is going to pick you up from jail? Because I've seen people high before they got to the stop sign you know and that's a huge huge factor um, I never thought about that yeah. it is a, who is picking you up exactly wow and I ask people that all the time when I speak and their treatment you know um, they call it the druggy buggy brings treatment people right. from treatment yeah. to the <laughs> that's meetings that's a new term too I like yeah, that too to the meetings the druggy and, buggy uh, I'm gonna steal and that I, one I address them that way who is picking you up from rehab? From rehab, right? You know, so I live my life around recovery today. Um, my brother is in recovery. The older brother you spoke of earlier. My older brother. So my mom is batting a thousand. Mm -hmm. um, he has um, almost nineteen years of sobriety. Nice. And uh, to here. Yes, he is in Florida. Um, he started working for the church full-time running the uh, Celebrate Recovery program and all the recovery ministries. However, he got burned out. Um, I got burned out myself because uh, I was 
in so many different areas uh, and they will let you. Yeah. Yes, they will. So mm -hmm. I Maybe burned out. I couldn't say no. And then I just <laughs> walked away. So I just basically uh, stuck with AA and attended church. Um, so recently, um, I didn't have a very good 2018 health-wise. I had thyroid cancer. Oh, wow. And had that removed. And um, then I had an awful gastro problem. I was hospitalized four times in the year. The first 90 days, the first three months of the year, I missed 45 days of work because of this going on. Um, I tested negative to everything. Everything. Fantastic. Um, they did all kinds of scopes and mm, prodding and poking and everything and could not find a thing. They did MRIs, CAT scans. They tested every single thing. So you were feeling terrible, but they couldn't find out what was oh, wrong. Oh, I misunderstood. Right. Okay. Right. I had um, uncontrollable um, bathroom issues and uh, I had no control, no prediction. I couldn't predict it, couldn't control it. And so that left me a, a, a prisoner in my own home, right, basically. Yeah. Um, and I kept kept thanking God. I knew there was healing somewhere. And I felt like Job. Uh, you know, Job was um, afflicted with the boils and, and all of his uh, wealth was taken from him and just stripped him. Trial bear. after trial his, after trial. His, yeah, his kids were killed. And his, his wife even said, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, and he said, no. You know, and I refused to do that. You know, I just kept God in the forefront and believed for healing. And the healing was just so miraculous. And you'd think after 15 doctors, someone would, would know this. Um, a PA suggested that I take acidophilus, hmm. which is a type of probiotic. probiotic. It's a very, very good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started taking that three times a day, and my every symptom disappeared. Ah. Wow. Simple solution. Simple. Yeah. Oh, everything is a simple solution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm in full gear back involved in uh, choose recovery at the church. Um, I'm just active again. I'm, uh, I feel alive again because I was in another um, bondage of sickness. You know, and there was, mm, I couldn't see when this is going to end and uh, had some bit embarrassing situations in public. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would imagine. Um, that I just had no control of. But that's all over, and uh, you know, life is messy. Life sucks. Uh, you know, can. You know, but that's life. The ups, the downs, the victories. You know, and you know, working the steps, I have stopped being a victim. You know, I. I choose. I choose victory. You know, um, because. It's easy to fall back into to that mentality. However, 
staying in the fold around staying in recovery um, planning my day around my meetings not my meetings around my day yeah and just doing everything I can um, I've done uh, GSR work I've done um, I've done so many positions, so many different levels of service, and I'm not burned out. You know, I just do what comes nat natural, and I have God. Uh, God has my back. I start my day with prayer, meditation. I have my my reading. You know, I I read the big book. You know. And I read the Bible, which is the big, big book, uh, um, my daily devotions. And it feeds me. It feeds my soul, gets me grounded so I don't go out there and drive like a maniac right. and act like a jerk in public you know, to a poor um, cashier or whatever. You know, I have patience. And people say, oh, you got the patience of Job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot where I went and they said oh it's gonna take five hours for your car to be fixed I'm like okay you know it's called acceptance today I can't change situations around me so I can accept it and get on with life enjoy life um, life is hard however living right doing right is priceless I've changed everything. You know, you have to change your people, places, things, your playground, your playmates. I listen to only Christian music today. I've turned the channel back in 2000, and I haven't changed the channel yet. You know, my old music, you know, is, is kind of a trigger, you know, and you know, the words of the upbeat Christian music, one of my favorite songs is, your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. Yeah, mm -hmm. nice. You know, my old music, which was a trigger, uh, such as Judas Priest. Yeah. Breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, One of my old favorites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I took that literally. A lot can be said for what you bring into your life. Uh, John and I were talking just yesterday about that how much you bring in and uh, what you what you put in is really the thing that you have to give out you know yeah. so if, I, if I'm bringing in the negativity and the and the more whether you know and I won't say just per se that a song is negative in and of itself right but that the energy that comes with that if I bring that in well then that tends to be what I have to offer out you know so the flip side of that is if I protect my I will just say protect my soul and my spirit and, and bring in things that are actually nourish it Mm -hmm. then I actually can turn that back around inside and, and, and bring out nourishing energy to other people around me. Absolutely. I think that's Absolutely. pretty... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that garbage in, garbage out. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and Said then, very simply. Yeah, God has... He is a master potter. You know, he's got me on the potter's wheel, and he's also um, molding me into the woman he created me to be. You know, and I just want to be 
half the woman my dog thinks I am. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that lately too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love life today. Like, um, just got all kinds of trials, and and it's okay. In the morning, I say, "Okay, Lord, what's in store? You know, where do you want me?" You know, and and honestly, recovery, actually, God physically changes the appearance. You know, um, I had no soul. I had a hole in my soul for a long, long time. You know, and now you know my thinking is clear. My eyes are clear to see. You know, I enjoy little things. Um, there was a blood moon the other night apparently right, yes. for the eclipse. You know, it's like my daddy did that. You know, I give credit where credit's due, and that's to God, the one who saved me. He, I have a personal relationship today, and it's not religion; it's relationship. And I do attend church, and um, I don't adhere to the man-made mandate you know religious um, the church I belong to is fantastic um, we very strong in recovery and even the pastor um, is an admitted alcoholic in recovery that's fantastic mm -hmm. so our church um, we want the least the lost and the lonely you know it's a church for people no one else wants and a while back we had on the marquee perfect people need not attend <laughs> I like that so mm -hmm. life is messy and uh, where do you want me God to help clean it up tell me a little about the jail ministry thing and what's uh, what's what's in store there do you have a it sounds like it's something brand new that not even yeah, started this Saturday. yet Saturday starts up this Saturday mm -hmm. so and um, we had to celebrate recovery at the church, CR. Um, I helped get that started in 2000. Uh, we um, kicked off in 2001. And we started... Uh, I had no idea it was around that long ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no doubt it. I just was unaware. Uh -huh. It's something new to our... or It appears to be relatively new to our region. Yeah, it's um, based in California. Um there's some books um, based whatever but after 16 17 years we started drifting away from the curriculum and um, just it wasn't integrity you know um, we weren't using the same books and literature and whatnot and so we decided because of integrity to go ahead and change the name and change the curriculum to choose recovery. Um, so has the same program been going on all this time and you're just changing it up a little bit yes. to make it more conducive? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making it more welcoming. Mm -hmm. um, it's the new jail ministry. We're taking the band into the church. So that's gonna get the guy. This is only for the guys. The band from church into yes. the jail. The band from Choose Recovery. We have oh, from Choose Recovery. awesome, awesome music. And we're going to take the band and take um, testimonies. You know, what, what we were like and what happened. 
mm. what we're like today. Yeah. You know, and if they can have the same hope and there's a future out there, I believe God has a plan for each one of us. We have gifts that we can uh, share our gifts in, other, in different areas. And um, I kept thinking, what is God's will for me? What is God's will for me? I'm reading all the time, you know, what is God's will? And one of my books says, Meet the Need. I said, darn, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, here I was like waiting for this big elaborate, you know, something elaborate that God was going to do in my life. It's just meet the need. And every now and then, three of my readings will be on that same topic. You know, everything applies to my, my life and my day. And I have found that joy <clears throat> is not a, an emotion. It's a fruit. It's something I bear by working in recovery and living the life of recovery. Mm -hmm. It's a result yeah, really of like the actions that you take. Yeah. It's, it's a fruit, like which that. is what I call As people think, you know, it's an emotion. Oh, I've got joy, 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 you know. And uh, <clears throat> God, it's as if he picked me up and dusted me off, <laughs> dusted me off and said, let's start you over over here and see how you do. And that's exactly what I needed. You know, and he knew I could handle whatever came my way. Um, just being in acceptance, not fighting, kicking and screaming, not trying to find loopholes in everything. You know, but yeah, but you know, justifying is when um, you know, I'm the yeah but queen uh, yeah, but you just don't understand. Or rationalizing. Which, well, because, you know, if if you've had a life like I did, you know. Right. And fill in the blank. Minimizing. You know, it's just, I don't use that verbiage anymore. Um, <clears throat> I try to stay true to myself. Um I try not to brag too much. When I brag, I might exaggerate a little too much. So I try to keep it down to earth, even though I do brag about um, what God does in my life. Right. Yeah. Always try to give the credit where it's due because Absolutely. I know it's not me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just uh, do the footwork. Right. The action part. Yeah, I'm I like not that. a road rager anymore. Anymore. Uh, anymore. <laughs> that actually that surprises me. I wouldn't pick that up out of your energy today at all, that you uh -huh. would be a, a road rager. When I, oh, I was out of control. Um, I tell people, I said, never judge a book by its cover. <laughs> because I have a mugshot out there, and it's, it's not too flattering. So. They normally are not. Yeah. <laughs> That's my experience. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's part of it's. You know, I, I can't be ashamed of it because it's part of my story. You know, and someone I can, someone's going to be able to identify. 
Absolutely. With my story. That's why we keep and telling there's them. Hope. I have a message of hope. I was at one time I was hopeless, and it became hopeful, and now I'm hope filled. You know, and it's a process. It doesn't happen automatically overnight. Time takes time, which I hated. That, right. Yeah. That saying. I love the uh, sayings and cliches today. Um, I didn't for a long time. Um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, and you start living by them, you know, and they all were little cliches in the beginning, and I kind of shook my head when I heard them said in meetings mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and kind of stuck my tongue out at all that for a while, but now today I find myself... Uh, repeating same those things, same yeah. things that I had heard, and they are true. For, you know, for for the most part, they certainly are true for me today. Yes. Uh, and we banter about a little bit, almost in a joking manner, like who can uh, round robin in our my little circle of of coming. You know, uh, first the main slogans, you know, the the ones that are actually in the book, but all the other ones you hear around the meeting makers make it, and uh, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and nothing changes, nothing changes. And, mm -hmm. Okay, and sitting here caught cold, it, it, it'll stop me for a minute. But uh, it is, I heard somebody say, uh, even just like the set plane was like, let it go. How do I, how do, I do that? You know, uh, mm -hmm. today I know what that means, you know, but I don't know that I can explain to somebody else. You know, that's the, the trick is how do you, how do you convey that other than uh, by, by demonstration of, of, of doing it. There's one podium for speakers. It says many meetings, many chances, few meetings. Few chances. Yeah. No meetings, no chances. Yeah. Yep. There's yeah. another great one. You know, it's like true. It's so true. So when my eyes are open, you know, um, it's amazing how um, I can be honestly, earnestly praying for someone and open my eyes, and it's as if I have a brand new pair of glasses. Everything is crisp green and clean and and it's like that's God yeah you know, um, I've been in gridlock traffic going over the bridge midpoint bridge and you know people are you know beeping their horn and cutting people off and I'm sitting there and I look at the rays shining down through the clouds I'm like wow that's awesome you know yeah a few more minutes to listen to my music today or whatever it happens to be doing, taking sure. into the uh, beauty of the universe. Yeah. And, uh, there's a couple of things you said, and, uh, and, I've, and it, and it um, I think I heard, uh, it seems that you've always been in a life, a service of some nature or another, you know, and I look at that, I kind of see how like, like maybe of, uh, of, of trying to find a way, you know, you, you were in a service industry for a certain period of time, but it wasn't, you know, the other part of your life was not operating on that plane. Mm -hmm. uh, you went into the into actual counselor mode, which is obviously in a service uh, life. And now I hear that the service that you put into your recovery, but you also uh, your occup primary occupation is also appears at least from what I've seen to be a primary a primarily a service mm 
uh-huh. industry uh, service person today too. So it seems like that, like that giving heart seems to be something that's been a part of you from the beginning. It was just a matter of like getting it to where it was attuned, redirecting it into the yeah. into. I, I pick up some things. I, I do a lot of yoga, and there's a term that we use all the time: is true north alignment to get my my soul in alignment with my true north. You know, and my compass needle can vary. And sometimes very greatly, you know, today it doesn't so much, but uh, I just heard that. I think I saw that as I was this, trying to get into this. That was where your path was, but try to get that into an attunement with uh, with your soul and with uh, with God's plan for you. And it sounds like you you've, 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 are, are well on, a, on that path today. Yeah, you know, we spend a long time searching, searching for that, to fill that void. Use alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping, gambling, fill in the blank, trying to fill that void. And when I finally surrender and realize that void is a piece of like a piece of a puzzle, and it fits right here over my heart, and only God can fill that void. Right. And until I get honest and realize that's the only way I can start my journey you know this disease lies to us so much it says you know, next time will be different next time will be different I know it will and it's not you know it's a progressive disease and it just gets worse but we we are clinging on to that thought oh next time it's gonna be different yeah, if I ever get that bad Right. It's another lie, you know. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Yeah. Uh, I'll, only I'll do stop one. tomorrow. I'll only do one. Uh, yeah, know. just one. I've never done one of anything. Right. You know, yeah. I never will. But it's another lie of the disease, or no one will know. Yeah, there's another good one. Yeah. Nobody will know. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we really yes. don't. I found that. Uh, that I really don't get away with anything ultimately. There's there's no escaping that. You know, I like to think that I can slide by this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not been my experience, but my disease will tell me that for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, today I have an audience of one. I like that. The Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. Yeah. And whatever he has in store, um, he'll put me in that place. He has put me in so many different um, places. You know, integrity I love, which is honesty that cannot be seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you doing when people aren't looking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, I can trust myself today to be in any situation. I don't go to bars, you know, I don't, I'm not a lion tamer, so I don't go into lion's dens. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. the same way very strongly about that. Yeah. Uh, there's those who seem to be able to, I guess, but this guy here, uh, no, no, I, no. I, I, I don't go flirting around with that. No, and also, um, I don't have any true friends that drink and drug. I don't have anyone in my life. I go to sober weddings. I go to sober funerals. I go to sober events. I um, went to a wonderful 
uh, New Year's Eve party. Yeah, sober New Year's Eve party. It was fantastic. You know, great speaker. The food was wonderful. The band was good, you know. And I was home by 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And it used to be the night didn't start until, you know, late. My disease hides in darkness. Absolutely. Wants to hide and don't tell anyone. Well, what I do is shed light on it. You know, step four, people are so fearful of step four. I wasn't. It's like, okay, here I am. Here it is. You no longer have power over me. Right, yeah. Here it is, you know. And as far as the shame and guilt, step five, having to share it with my sponsor, you know, myself, my sponsor, and to God, um, I have to ask myself, would I have ever hurt people or done this or that, not not living right, if I were clean and sober? The answer is no. Right. No. You know, and that's Someone how else was driving that car. Dan talks a lot about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a I have, I have some um, a particular speaker has shed has shared this way of a, it's like a parasite that has hijacked my operating system that's what the disease right. is and it's got me and it thinks like at some level it's got the joystick called dan you know and it's driving really i think i'm driving but really i'm not mm-hmm. and that's really the fan, that's really like the not the fan, that's the that's the insidiousness of that parasite is that it's got me thinking that i'm it Mm-hmm. You know that this is that, that we are one, mm-hmm. and and that's where that really becomes because we become invested in that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that and and then time and time again I can make that, uh, especially with loved ones who don't understand why their person is doing what they're doing. You know, they think that they're choosing to do this, and I think that parasite theory, mm-hmm. and there actually is some. Uh, there, we can we can talk we can go there, but there's actually some proof in nature of some par- some real parasites that actually do hijack certain toxoplasmosis that gets in cats mm-hmm. is one of them. It, it, it's, it only complete its life cycle in the stomach of a cat, but it is only found in the brains of a rodent, like a mouse or a, a rat. And it will take that rat and make that rat not fearful of a feline anymore when it takes over so that it can make its way into the life cycle into that cat's belly to in order to complete its life cycle there's a couple other ex- examples i have mm-hmm. that's the way i look at this disease too you know when we say in here that we it wants us what it wants us dead but it'll settle for us drunk right that's another one of the things mm-hmm. we hear uh, and that is it's wanting you know it's wanting to kill us it really is mm-hmm. that is it's in that's its goal that's its goal and that's it's this that's me, this yeah. parasite's goal is to get in and hijack my operating system and take me there uh i, I I've, I've been able to make some breakthroughs with that that uh, metaphor mm-hmm. with other people and that how that how that uh, especially with loved ones like mm-hmm. I said that don't understand why their mm-hmm. their loved one is is doing such dist- you know such destructive things just yeah. bent on it's a shame chaos. You know, family members they personalize everything right and think oh why is she doing this to me you know and I've had to teach my mom about addiction and you know just let her know that you know it had nothing to do with her you know it's my choice and i made the choice you know to uh, live 
in addiction alcoholism you know and today I choose not to however one of anything and I lose the power to choose right I'm done and it's a shame I've seen uh, a lot of relapse with people who have 20 or 30 years yeah and they it seems like they get more in the crux of of doom uh, and they see it I've heard someone say um, you better do you better keep going meetings and doing right you know because I can't get sober again you know and you think wow they had 30 some odd years what has happened and this disease the what did you call it parasite, parasite. <laughs> yeah it's an insidious disease that wants us all dead yep I choose life today well, yeah. I love waking up in the morning I well physically I don't leap out of bed anymore <laughs> <laughs> I leap out of bed and, and but you know, spiritually spiritually I leap yes yeah I'm on fire yeah, yeah. I always like to say uh yeah, I'm. I'm honestly, I can say today, I'm having a blast in recovery. Oh, the yeah. things that I get to do today, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them is sitting here doing this right here. You know, when I've ever thought that I was going to get to be able to sit with people, listen to their story, put it on on tape, and broadcast it to anybody in the world that wants to hear it. Yeah, I celebrated four years the other day. Oh, uh, you know, well, that's a lot in a short amount of time, and it just uh, continues to be. Uh, Beyond my understanding, really, of what I'm getting, that's another change in my language that I get to do these things. I, I really try not to ever say I, I'm really quick on the uh-huh. on the trigger if somebody says they have to do something uh-huh. to correct them. The things that I get to do in my recovery today are just simply amazing, and, and I hear the story over and over again. I also hear a similar kind of. Uh, it's interesting to do this in this voice. You know, I listen to a lot of speaker tapes, and I listen to a lot of. I I, I, I go to some speaker meetings. I don't go to a lot of speaker meetings. Um, but to listen with the ear that has that I've gotten with this recording part of listening to the similarities, it's really hit me of the of the story of the same you know of, of a very parallel track. And I, and it seems like everybody I've sat down with to date so far has started off with the thing about like the uh, this what they perceived as this normal childhood. <laughs> but then when I hear them say, you know, you joked about it, right? That you know it really wasn't it's normal, but it was normal to you. You know how that—that's part of the, the normalizing the usage from early on seems to be something that I that I've noticed is that people get where if it's normal around you growing up, well, just is so easy just to make it a normal part of your life as you walk as you as you walk down the path. There's no like there was no danger sign yeah. like yeah, raised up. It's yeah. almost not fair in a way, you know. And I'm trying to do it a little different with my children to where I raise up a warning sign to say. Because I, I have alcoholism in my in my family, you know, and nobody warned me, right? You know, it's all over. I hear it time and time again. And but we just you know, we don't talk about Uncle Larry. We don't talk about Dad's thing. Exactly. We don't, you know, we keep all that hush hush. And yeah. instead of bringing an awareness up to go uh, to to talk to my kids and say, look, you, there's a really good chance. There's almost zero chance you're going to escape an opportunity to try these substances. Well, the thing is, it's like a, it's like a Russian roulette almost. You know, well, you're gonna to have to make some choices of whether if you're going to to go down this path and know. Uh, uh, Robin had asked me today what my kids know about my story, mm-hmm. and and my answer was everything. 
uh, I have been uh, open book with them mm-hmm. as far as what the drugs and alcohol did to me. Transparent. And so that they can be armed. Mm-hmm. What we say in there, somebody armed with the facts about themselves can mm-hmm. can get with another person. Uh, that's part of what part of my part of my mission and objective today is to hopefully be a person who is arming others. If exactly. I, to the level that I can possibly do with this podcast and some of it by you sharing your story in it to, to continue this increased awareness. There has been a bigger increase in awareness of what drugs and alcohol do some part of because of this opioid yes. perceived opioid mm-hmm. em- epidemic. Uh, I will bring up the fact that there's a whole lot more people getting dying from alcohol and tobacco every year than opioids. Yeah. Uh, and it's not getting the attention that it does. Old news, I guess. But I yeah. Am. I feel as if I have a hedge of protection around me. Right, safe and protected. And only one decision will get me out of that protection. Um, I still get thoughts, um, but it's what I do with those thoughts. A thought only lasts 15 seconds, if that. I'm watching TV, eating a bowl of ice cream, and all of a sudden, bing, I'll go to, there's a liquor store right over there. And I'm like, yeah, right. And keep on eating my ice cream. Um, if I entertain the thought, you know, it turns into a, hmm, a desire, then a craving, then an obsession, and then I'm the good alcoholic and addict that I am. I'm going to act on it. So if I can squash those thoughts immediately, I'm, I'm safe. And a big tool that I use, if I'm, I have to drive through some pretty bad areas to get to meetings sometimes, you know, and every now and then a time, fleeting thought, and I say, thank you, Jesus, I no longer do that. Yeah. That is a huge tool that works. It immediately squashes anything. And if it's something other, you know, uh, type of trigger or thought you know it just immediately comes it's like help me lord and when i cry out he answers and all of a sudden the whole thought process will change and i'm on a different different road yeah, so life is you know this this wonderful life of recovery you know as long as we use the tools that have been freely given to us you know, we can carry the message to others so they can live free and victory as well. Yeah, those uh, tools are that part of that you said earlier that's shedding the light on it. You know, if you if I if I stay quiet and I and I tuck it in my pocket, it becomes a very dangerous thing. Yeah. If I ask my higher power for help, if I speak to somebody else in the program about it and let them know my thoughts and shed some light on it that way, mm-hmm. well, then I can always be staying free of, you know, having those seeds begin to germinate mm-hmm. and yes. turn into uh, the, the someday potential future actions that, yeah. uh, that are end up being, uh, uh, will take me back out. Do you have any questions? Do you have any more you want? Do you? We're an uh, hour and six minutes. That goes wow. very fast, doesn't it, behind the microphone? Yeah. I just want uh, and I certainly don't want to stop it either, so uh, we can go as long as, as we want um, to. And I don't know, sometimes uh, for that's one of the other reasons why I like to have somebody else at the table, too, because they might hear some things that I'm not hearing and maybe want to have anything to Well, the only thing is that I've been thinking, um, 
several times through you speaking is where we're at right now. You know, you were talking about what we fill our life with as far as recovery. And um, we're sitting in my, my dad and grandmother's house. My grandmother's got 46 years sober. Mm-hmm. Dad's got 32 years sober. Mm-hmm. I'm sober. And you're, you're, you spend a good part, part of your time here in this house doing service work, really, you know, helping grandma out and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really speaks to, A, your humility, because you do so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I met your dad almost five years ago now. Yeah. At a meeting, and um, he told me he had a daughter and a granddaughter who had, um, who were alcoholic, and could he have my phone number to give to them? And I'm thinking, oh, that's a sly way of getting around. <laughs> that sounds like and that. And so I did, and um, ended up, he called me, and just asked how I was doing. He came to my home group, and uh, after I hung up, I said, I wonder if he needs a ride to a meeting. And I called called him back. I said, you want to go to a meeting? He's like, sure. That started a wonderful friendship, blossomed into uh, a wonderful opportunity, and now I work for the entire family. Yeah, and you're in a recovery house, really. Yeah. <laughs> and I trust myself. They trust me. And, mm-hmm. and there are no questions asked. Yeah. Yeah, it was a... Uh, I did smile as I walked in the house for the first time and looked on the coffee table. And on the top of the coffee table stands a prominent, large print, big book. I got, Very large I got print. your dad, that book. Yeah, that's a that's a you know you walked into a, a, a warm atmosphere mm-hmm. when 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 that's that's one of the first things that caught my eyes I came in. That's uh, really cool. Mm-hmm. Here's a picture of your grandma and me. We we were all at the the gratitude dinner. And she went and uh, we had a great time, but it was just a little too late for her to be out. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Your grandma, um, I introduced them to the church that I go to, and they love it. Um, Jane, the grandmother, um, joined the church when she was 93. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She's going to be 96 in February. A couple weeks, a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. February 8th, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So life is, Good work. Life is yeah. great. It really is. Well, great. I really appreciate this Thank sitting down so with me this down here. Me. Yeah, we uh, really appreciate it. It's uh, I'm trying to collect content to keep this thing going, and uh, and, and it already is uh, going surprisingly well. I know that uh, that true north alignment, that compass needle feels like it's in the direction that it needs to be here, and things are working out well. And I like being able to have these opportunities. Tells me that, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of we kind of say a higher power attaboy. Uh, if if people weren't making themselves available, if 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 the universe, to God, wasn't making that happen, well, then I would know that maybe this wasn't the path. But you're uh, in the flow. It keeps on, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. in the flow, and it keeps on uh, keeps on happening. Um, so thank you once again. Thank you, Robin, for sitting in. Thank you uh, for making me. the opportunity to come down here. I'll do just a little closing talk because we do have a uh, uh, spiritualunderground.org is where uh, you can find show notes for the show and, and you can also find links to the episodes there uh, or in a little bit more about uh, the guests in case you're wanting to look there. Once again, that's spiritualunderground.org. 
thank you for listening today, and we will sign off with I think what the what I'm beginning to is find to be the normal uh, my regular sign off. Uh, I simply say peace out. Mm-hmm.